Ethan's just explaining how Boxcast works to us at the moment. The man, the myth, the legend. Boxcast. <laughs> Welcome back to Switchcast Live. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, here with Tyler Sanders and Ethan Huffnagel behind the camera, uh, working everything to make sure it goes smoothly. We appreciate you being here. We're happy to be here with you. Switchcast is the podcast where we seek to educate, entertain, and edify you on the drive of your life. And this season, we're focusing primarily on topics and guests that help our listeners be smarter buyers and sellers, avoid scams, and make informed decisions from their initial purchase through all aspects of ownership to enhance their enjoyment. Because what's the point of owning a car if you can't enjoy it? And coming up next week, we are going to dive into a topic I've been working on and wanting to address for a while. It is the 10 pointless questions that you don't need to ask, but everybody does when you're looking at buying a car. And then the following week, we'll look at the 10 questions that most people don't ask, but that you do need to ask when you're buying a car. So stay tuned for that. And that's uh, one that is absolutely always relevant. Uh, So this week... um, this is a this is an interesting one. We've got some dealers, more than one, that have bit the dust this past week, and um, we kind of saw this coming. Obviously, when you have a market downturn, as Warren Buffett says, when the tide goes out, you find out who is skinny dipping, and there's a lot of people who have been and who will be. Um, th- the first update is not a dealer that's gone down yet but that i've been predicting will go down for a long time and i think rooting for it might be a little <laughs> bit more accurate it's not rooting for it it's just like it's inevitable right when the numbers say a certain thing it has to happen so uh, we're talking about carvana of course but there's certain economic principles right and when you over leverage yourself you're asking to get hurt So as somebody who's fiscally responsible and fiscally conservative, when people do dumb things, it doesn't help the rest of the world if they don't face the consequences. So it's not like I'm rooting for them to fail. It's I want the system to work such that people get the consequences of their actions. And they deserve it. So here's why, right? So Carvana... You know, their stock went up and down. It was like a friggin' bell curve. And uh, we're now it's kind of flat. We're in if if Carvana stock was in novel, we'd be in the denouement. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Literary joke there. Uh, But it went down to like three bucks a share at the end of the year. And now it's back up to 10. So people are going, oh, well, you were wrong. You're wrong. It's going back up. Basically, it's going back up because people were speculating that all of the layoffs and all of the lip service they did to shareholders was going to actually help them become more profitable. Well, it didn't. And their stocks went down again. They're not down that far. They're down to eight bucks a share. But they had terrible fourth quarter of 2022 uh, earnings reports, if you can even call that earnings. That's like you know, talking about Hummer H2 and saying their acceleration numbers. <laughs> um, they lost $7,400 per car in the fourth Ooh, quarter. Wow. Right. 
The best article I found that summarizes what's wrong with Carvana and why their demise is inevitable is from The Motley Fool. I think this is really, really good. And there's been a lot of articles that say why you should buy Carvana stock and why they're going to make it and all these different things. Why Carvana is the future of car buying. Their platform, their system might be, but they cannot be. Uh, the, The Motley Fool's main point was if they weren't profitable in 2021 when everybody in the car business was making money like you you could be an idiot and still make money you were an idiot if you lost money in 2021 um yeah best year in the car business probably ever uh they still lost money in 2021 so if they can't make money in the best year ever like when when are they going to make money never Um, the other problem is their balance sheet, which is just, it's got tons of debt. And I've been talking about this for a long time. Toys R Us got taken down because they had way, way, way too much debt and they were profitable. They were just leveraging their assets and their profit to try to grow bigger. And they had so much of their profit going to service debt that it just took them down. The problem is Carvana doesn't have profit. They're losing money and they have billions in, in debt. Uh, so according to this article, at the end of 2022, Carvana had $434 million in cash and equivalents. Based on its fourth quarter numbers, this cash won't even cover one year of interest expenses on its debt, let alone its operating expenses. So in order to not run a cat out of cash, Carvana will have to raise more capital, which they've been doing. They've been taking on debt from Chase, you know, like Dave Ramsey says it best. You can't borrow your way out of debt, right? Like they're just, they're screwed. Um, it has $6.6 billion in long-term debt. And, and this is the key point that I called like a year and a half ago. They've never generated a profit. Never. They have gross profits, but they have net losses. So what was it last year? Let's see. Um, 200 some odd million let me see i'm surprised at this point that anybody is willing to loan them money like if you're that deep in the hole that's a big hole my buddy works for chase and he's talking about how they're so conservative but they're the ones you know that's why they have billions of dollars in assets yet they lent carvana three billion dollars last year i'm like who signed off on that um Okay, so their gross profit shrunk from 2021 to 2022, which so did ours. Everybody's did in the car business, right? But their operating expenses rose, even though they laid off like a quarter of their staff, even though the executives forego, forewent, foregone. I think it's forewent. For, forewent dish their salaries. Um, yeah, it, none of it worked. So their operating expenses were $2.7 billion. Uh, 153 million in interest payments just in the fourth quarter. So yeah, they uh they had a net loss of 286 million in 2021. 286 million. Want to want to guess what their loss was in 2022? Uh, did 350 million? No, 10x that. Oh, 2.89 billion. Oh my! They lost. Goodness. They lost all of Chase's money last year. <laughs> That's it. They lost $3 billion. I think whoever signed off for that at Chase has now lost their job forever. Anyway, so Carvana will go down. 
Um, if I was into shorting stocks, I would short their stock. But uh, yeah, they're going to go down. Speaking of going down, there's people who have went down. Uh, one of them, notably, and both of this is fresh news, if, if you're listening live or, or when this episode comes out. Um, if you hear this a year later, you can go back and look at the archives. But th- this is all breaking news. Um, so uh, we knew this one was coming. There is a, a dealer network down, uh, a subprime lender. So we're seeing shades of 2009. Uh, subprime lender American Car Center has closed amidst a rise in auto loan delinquencies. They notified employees uh, Friday afternoon, which, according to management tactics, is the best time to fire a person, but they fired everybody. It was almost 300 employees over their 50 stores that it was shutting down its operations, closing its headquarters. They're done. Um, so they are a subprime lender. Um, they you know, loan to people who have bad credit, high interest rates, maybe buy here, pay here. Um, But what did we talk about? I think it was last week or the week before. Auto loan delinquencies are on the rise. Oh, yeah. Repos have not hit pre-pandemic levels yet, but auto loan delinquencies are up to basically pre-2009 levels. So there's a nasty foreshadowing, and this closing of this um, dealer network, which is also a lender, is eerily similar to what happened in 2009 when a bunch of leasing companies just shut their doors, just done, because people were just turning in their cars. They were so underwater. Um, So I I think this is the first of many to come, and I think this is going to hit the subprime lenders the hardest. You know, the, the, the normal kind of mid-range high-end used car market is still doing quite well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to see a lot of this. Um, the, the funny thing is, so American Car Center had, quote, been working with lenders to boost its liquidity and stay in business. That's what Carvana's doing. <laughs> Let's borrow more money so we're more liquid. That, th- that doesn't work. Again, Dave Ramsey, you can't borrow your way out of debt. Now, maybe they were negotiating their loans to, like, you know, extend their payments or get lower balances or, or whatever, you know, the equivalent of a of a short sale. But that's a um, that's a really big problem. Um, yeah. So the company operate, operates, well, operated 50 car dealerships. One customer, according to Fox News, was concerned about where to make her payments and was asking if her car was free. Because they had shut their doors. Hmm. <laughs> no, honey, your loan does not go away. Somebody's going to come asking for the payments, whether it's you know the the bankruptcy trustees or, or whatever. But the American Car Center is actually owned by a twenty billion dollar hedge fund. I feel like everything is owned by a hedge fund now. Yeah, it is. It's a little. It just feels depressing. Yeah. That's a kind of risky thing. I mean, I guess they didn't hedge against those Ultima buyers not paying their car <laughs> note. I don't think we. It, it honestly, yeah, yeah, it should. I don't think we can make it through a single episode without referencing Ultima. <laughs> I don't want to. Let me be I honest. Think it's a, it's a, I mean, when we're talking about auto loan delinquencies and subprime loans, and I, yeah. I mean, it's just it's top of the natural. list. Those Ultimas are Ultimas and Chargers. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Chargers are really just the Ultimas of North America, let's be honest. Yes, that is true. That is true. So anyway, so American Car Center is is done. Done. 50 car dealerships closing. Um, yeah, probably more to come as this situation fleshes itself out, as inflation increases and continues to increase, um, as people are upside down on their loans. Oh, my goodness. I... Um, yeah, people are way upside down on their loans. So I'm a member of this this group of car dealers and salesmen and stuff. And last week, somebody posted that they wanted to. Uh, or somebody came in and they were like, um, they owed like seventy two grand on their Jeep and it booked out at like thirty seven. I mean, it was insane. Oh. And they were asking, they were polling to see like who else had crazy. Uh, people that were just underwater on their loans come in and try to trade them in. And it was just like one after the next, after the next 15 K flipped on a Camry 20 K upside down on this 30 K upside down on this. I mean, people are, it's not good. And what, what I'm smelling or or what I'm concerned is going to happen is just like in 2009, when people, when, when the housing market crashed, right? A lot of people kept their jobs and a lot of people could make their house payment, but they chose not to because they were so underwater on their house. They're like, well, why should I pay the bank payments when, you know, my loan is 400K and my house is worth 250? I don't want to lose that 150K in equity. Now, you know, there's an ethical thing there. However, it wasn't just people that lost their job and couldn't make the payments. They were just saying, screw this. I'm just going to walk away from the house and turn it into the bank. And they did. And that took a bad situation and exacerbated it. So I have the feeling that that's going to start happening with cars, too. When people find out they're 50% underwater on their loans, they're just going to go, Clink, here's your keys. Come sue me for the difference. That is staggering. Yes. I cannot imagine. Yes. It, that would uh, cause me so much anxiety. Yeah, that's <laughs> like well, because we've talked before. You know, I've I've taken out a couple of car loans. Um, I'm I'm okay with that on fun cars, not for dailies. But uh, I will never put myself in that position. I just can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, a lot of debt or a little debt, like it's all risk, and it's Very all true. it all causes anxiety, right? So the best position to be in is a cash position. Plain and simple. All right, let's go to a let's go to a commercial. <laughs> All righty. So we've got uh switch car or switch cast, goodness, my brain. I'm Tyler alive. Sanders, everyone. Ugh, here we go. All right. So SwitchCast is brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines uh, offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they appeared in movies and TV shows, uh, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com. For more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. All right. To the wall of shame. Typically, I pick a customer interaction 
Um, you know, dealers get enough bad feedback on on Google or Yelp or whatever, but we don't get to review customers. So that is the, the primarily uh, the the purpose of the wall of shame is 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 the reverse review. Uh, but today I had to pick a marketplace ad that was just so bad it deserved to be here. Um, <laughs> The text of the ad, and I'll put the photo up in the Instagram story. Uh, Bentley Continental GT built on 2006 Chrysler Sebring platform. Bentley made the kit manufacturer stop building these rare kits as they were so realistic. Car runs and drives, but needs minor finishing. $11,000. Is like a normal Sebring even worth that? (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it's not. Oh, gosh. I just, I have to laugh. So, has anyone ever seen an ad for a kit car that was totally done? That, like, didn't claim to need minor finishing? And it's always minor. It's just, oh, it just just needs this little bit finished up. It's like, it's missing an interior. Nobody ever finishes kit cars because they get into them and they realize how difficult it's going to be. Um too, I thought his I thought his claim was absolutely re- ridiculous when he said that Bentley stopped making made them stop producing them because they were so realistic. I'm looking at the photo. I'm like, ain't nobody that can afford a Bentley mistaking this for a Bentley. <laughs> Bentley probably didn't even know that it was happening. No, it's they did. Oh, really? They did. Bentley sued. The, get the name of the company, Fugazi. Bentley sued ah. the Fugazi company. Right, uh, yes. On them. patent and copyright violations, and they were granted summary judgment. And there was uh, things in there about basically people confusing the cars for real Bentleys based on like comments from social media and stuff like that. I don't think any real customers were confused, but they you used take a that. picture from far enough away. I'm sure it looks great. Yeah, so they this company did actually get shut down for making these Bentley Continental GT body kits on a Sebring, which if they didn't get shut down by Bentley, they probably just would have gone out of business. Oh, see, they could not have sold that. If anything, that's really rare, actually. There can't be that many. Yeah. <laughs> you should buy one. Yeah. Let me go. Let me go uh, get another loan for that. Make rare, you very happy. <laughs> rare equals valuable, yeah. right? I'm going to double my money instantly. No worries. <sighs> Do you know how to double your money guaranteed? How's that? Uh, give somebody a penny for their thoughts. They'll give you their two cents. Uh, and then, burn up, burn up. Yeah, you got to do the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Old man sayings that uh, anybody under 30 probably won't even get that based on I understand it. I don't think I've that ever joke. heard it. <laughs> You've never heard what? The saying or that joke? The joke. I know the saying. Oh, no. That's my joke. That's why. Doug Tabbitt original. (laughs) Okay. So uh, closer to home, we're talking about dealers that are going down, right? And we're not... We're uh, The focus of this season is how to be a smart car buyer. So most of you listening are probably not buying cars that buy here, pay here's or subprime lenders. Maybe you are, it's fine, but uh, we think our less listeners are kind of car people and, and they're buying their car at less than 15% interest if they can help it. 
so closer to home, because this is somebody who we've done a lot of business with and somebody who I consider a friend, uh, there's a dealership in Tennessee that specialized in Porsches and high-end cars direct out of Tennessee that shut its doors allegedly this week. Now, there was some smoke uh, surrounding what was going on um, for, for quite a while. I had some people in the know giving me some inside information, but all of it was hearsay. Uh, everything from there's repo guys there picking up their Porsches, including one that I was in the process of buying, which was a great text to get. Oh. Um, the DEA is there. Uh, all sorts of interesting things. Oh, there's people suing them, missing titles, missing money, all sorts of stuff like that. But none of it was confirmed. So I kind of said, okay, well, you know, this guy's never done me wrong. I'm going to tread carefully and cautiously, but let's wait until something actually, you know, it confirms itself. Well, last week I got a call from a customer who bought a GT3 RS from Direct Auto of Tennessee last summer, wired them $175,000, never got the title. The bigger problem was, and I knew this, is that it was the personal car of Charles, the guy who runs Direct Auto, and he had a loan out on it. So I asked the buyer, I'm like, well, didn't you like check that? Did you run a Carfax? Like it shows right on there that there's a loan. And he's like, no, I just bought it from the dealership because I had bought a car from them like two months before, wired a money, got the title, everything was fine. And that's usually how it goes. Everything is fine until it isn't. So he took uh, Direct Auto, took the $175,000, never paid off the loan, and the buyer has a GT3 RS and no title, and the bank has a loan out on this car that is no longer in the owner's possession and has been sold. Now, this is a really interesting legal quandary because when push comes to shove, who wins? Does the bank get the car or does the guy get the title? Like one person is out $175,000. It's it's nasty. And then I started talking to other people. Another guy bought two cars from him uh, this fall. Never got titles. One of the cars actually was a payment because I guess he was owed money from a car he consigned and never got it. Uh, The guy said he was short on cash, the owner of Direct Auto. And so he would just give him this car instead. So he got the car, but no money. Bought another car, or sorry, no title. Got another car, no title. This, if you're paying attention, once again, this smells a lot like CNC Exotics. CNC Exotics went down in 2021 in a great ball of flames. Uh, They had been on the fritz for about a year uh, based on insider knowledge. But again, none of it was confirmed. None of it was, was public. It was just a lot of hearsay of like, oh man, it took me three months to get my title. I traded in my car. It was never paid off, but they sold it anyway. And now I'm stuck with this loan and delinquency, like all these really nightmarish situations. Um, and that went on for a long time. And they took a lot of people for many, many millions of dollars before they were finally shut down. So I don't know how many, I guess, victims there are, alleged victims of, of direct auto of Tennessee, but um, I think that's going to flesh out uh, pretty soon because there are uh, recent Google reviews of the same thing. A guy sold a car to them, the check bounced, and 
um, then Direct Auto sold the car to somebody else, and this guy never got made whole. And, um, you know, it's the exact same stuff CNC Exotics is pulling. So the question here is, right, so Carvana has massive overhead. CNC Exotics had massive overhead. Direct Auto of Tennessee is a smaller dealership. You know, where's all that money going, especially since, you know, what do we say? Nobody in the car business could lose money in 2021, right? Like everybody was making money hand over fist and for most of 2022. So there's likely other things going on. And there's rumors of that. Um, I don't want to speak to the character of the guy involved because, like I said, he's a friend and I know him. And it seems like there's some some other struggles there, but there's allegations of another business that went down and money was funneled there. Um, all sorts of different things. But bottom line is he was very leveraged. And instead of saying enough's enough, he tried to keep going. And I think that's a real big problem with entrepreneurs and especially people in the car business, just like CNC Exotics, they reached a point where they were not making enough money to cover their overhead, but they just said, no, 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 we can, we can do this. We can pull this off. We just need more, just need a little more. Carvana is doing the same thing. We just need more growth. We just need more sales. No, you're losing friggin' money. Like at some point you got to just say, we failed, done, stop, take your losses you know, whoever people, whatever people you screwed to date, just say, yeah, we screwed you. Sorry, we can't pay you. And there's probably going to be less jail time for that than like trying to keep going. Um, I, you know, I, I just had lunch with a friend of mine who, um, breakfast actually, who spent some time in prison for doing exactly that. Not in the car business, but he ran an investment business and made some bad plays. And instead of saying, whoops, I made bad plays, I lost money for my clients. He kept trying to make it up on the next one and make it up on the next one. He never did. And $8 million of clients money later, he spent a long time in prison. Um, it's a bad situation for all involved. Um, now he recognizes what he did and is reformed and repented. And that's fantastic, but it doesn't undo what was done. So the, the, the lesson here is, or I guess the question is, when these things are happening, how does how does a consumer protect themselves? How does a dealer even protect themselves? Um, because, you know, this guy was a friend of mine. I would have just wired him money and not thought anything of it. And I could have easily gotten taken down. And a couple of the guys that did get taken down and are fighting to try to get their titles or money are other dealers. Like, these are all people we know. Like, it's a very personal situation. So how do you know, right? Because CNC Exotics was great until they weren't. Direct Auto was great until they weren't. Switch Cars is great. How do you know we're not going to be weren't tomorrow, right? Like, I'm dealing with that right now. I've got a, a, a dealership that's trying to buy a G63 from us. Uh, it's a consignment car. There's a payoff. They don't want to pay us until we've completed the payoff. But I've never dealt with this dealer. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay off the car and just buy it, hoping that you're going to pay me. They're like, well, we'll pay it off. And then you just fill out this assignment form. I'm like, well, I don't trust you to pay it off because if you don't pay it off, we got to buy the car anyway. So it's like this game of like, well, neither of us trust each other to pay this car off. Um, so <sighs> the problem is I don't have a good answer. 
Unfortunately, there is no good answer on how to protect yourself from a scam like this that's in process. Because again, these dealers do really well until they don't. Um, I think the best thing you can do is talk to somebody that's in the car industry and in the know. Because for example, CNC Exotics, I was alerted just by a phone conversation, a confidential phone conversation, a year or so before they went down. So I was on high alert. And then I started looking for other signs of, hmm, maybe something is going on. And once I started looking for them, I was seeing them. So if you're considering buying a car from a dealership, ask somebody else. What do you know about these guys? What have, what have you heard? Because people talk in the industry. Um, and I don't know if there's just a professional code or something that you don't out another dealer until they've been publicly outed. But like we all know kind of who's going to go down. Um, you know, there's a couple dealers on my list that I think are going to be next, but I can't say anything publicly until it's too late. Because if I say something now, it's friggin' slander. Um, so <laughs> or they could sue me for slander or something, even if it's, you know, if I cover myself and say, well, this is my opinion, or this is hearsay. But um, yeah, I, the best thing you can do is is to ask somebody in the car dealership, uh, somebody in the car business, what they know about particular dealership and are they trustworthy. Um, you can ask them for a copy of the title. That doesn't make a difference because if they floor plan the car, there's no lien on the title, but they could scan a copy of the title before they send it to their floor plan company because the floor plan company physically holds title, but they don't typically place a lien on it. So you could get a copy of the title, but they don't actually own the car. So that doesn't protect you. Um, yeah, it's unfortunately, there are not a lot of protections in this situation. Most dealerships do have a bond that you can file a claim against, but typically by the time they go down, there's so many people filing claims that like, you know, where's the money going to come from? How are they going to divvy it up? Um, you know, and, and bonds are like 50 grand, hundred grand policy, whatever. I think Ohio is, is a $50,000 policy. You know, if if I sold 10 or 20 cars in a month and didn't pay them off, didn't pay the customers, I mean, that's a couple million bucks. Ain't no $50,000 bond going to do anyone any good at that point. So be very, very careful. Do your due diligence. And um, I wish I had a better answer, magic wand that said, here's here's the five steps to take to protect yourself against a dealer that's in the process of going out of business. Um, there isn't even long-term relationships don't help because people dealt with CNC exotics for years and years and years, multiple millions of dollars in transactions. Um, and they got taken down. But if you smell anything fishy, then probably the better thing to do is just walk away. Um, because I, I think it's pretty easy to, to smell, uh, something, awry from from a little bit of a distance but um yeah on that note let's go to another commercial and switchcast is brought to you by boxcast they are a live streaming company based in cleveland ohio and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world their founders launched boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose to make people a part of the experience if you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. BoxCast is so easy that we are broadcasting this show with a phone. 
head on over to switchcars.com forward slash boxcast for your free trial. And I believe I know what that hat means. Uh, it's time for the Corvette curmudgeon to enter the scene. The Corvette curmudgeon is uh, brought to you unwittingly by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook, uh, your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. <laughs> I need it. a MAGA hat for this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, uh, did any so, Corvette owner ever vote for Hillary Clinton? I think there was something where they took your Corvette away. If it, you did, they like it was part of the people standing outside of the polling places, intimidating. Like, nope, hand over the keys, bud. That would be the rarest Corvette ever <laughs> yeah. with a Clinton bumper sticker on the back. Yes, never seen one. So, uh, today we want to ask the Corvette curmudgeon, uh, pretty on topic would you ever buy or sell a car with Carvana? What in the Sam Hills Carvana? Well, you know the 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 dealer the the big like elevator vending machines with cars in them you see from the highway. Oh, I thought that was a friggin' uh, car storage place. Well, I do, they do kind of store cars until they sell them, but I mean the they're, they're pretty impressive, right? Oh, frick! I only buy cars at the the swap meet, and I'd never sell my car anyway. Would you buy a Corvette if it was placed in the glorious glass enclosure from and you saw it from the highway? Call no, I'd go. I'd get museum delivery on my new Corvette. I got to spec it out to make sure it's a rare specification. Nobody else has one like it. But I guarantee you the one that's no one is currently in the glass case like that at the moment. Yeah, uh, but they, they don't put car covers over them in that glass case. My Corvette's never been without a car cover except when I'm driving it. Where are you driving it to? Car show. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, I was just curious. You know, it seems like Carvana is going to be going going away, and you know, didn't know if you'd think about de- doing some business with them beforehand. No, I pay cash for my Corvettes, wadded up dollar bills I pulled out of my mattress, and it, if I'm buying a used Corvette, it's at the Hershey Swap Meet. But I ain't never buy a used Corvette. Just ordered my new, from, picked up from the Corvette Museum. That's it. Never sell it. Beautiful. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mister Corvette Curmudgeon. With uh, we'll see you again next week. So I. <laughs> I do have to to reinforce the. (laughs) You do have to what? (laughs) Nothing. No, no, no. You go ahead. To reinforce the the Corvette curmudgeon stereotype. It's not even the curmudgeonly types. It's just like Corvette people can't help it, for that matter. Porsche people can't help it either. I got an inquiry for storage, right? And the. When it was, you know, like, what's the make, model, vehicle, whatever, that field, it was C8 2LT Z51. Those seem like packages to me. <laughs> right? I'm like, bro, you're inquiring about a parking space. I don't need to know the interior leather trim package. Oh, like, my word. just say Corvette. Yeah, it's a Corvette. Like... Nice guy. I'm not making fun of the guy. I'm just like, we they, we can't help ourselves. Oh, God. <laughs> like, I don't care what suspension package or options your car has. <laughs> it's being parked. Oh, Under a cover, gosh. most likely. I do. Also, I, I laughed so hard at the. Uh, so I sent Doug earlier today a screenshot that I found somebody share on Facebook from some Corvette owner that isn't really a curmudgeonly type, but they had a C7 and a C5 Corvette tattooed <laughs> on their chest. <laughs> it was insane, <laughs> with like flames coming from the back. It's nuts. They have the serial numbers tattooed. <laughs> That's on their back. <laughs> So I've come to I've come to think that Citroen owners are the French Corvette curmudgeons. I gotta I'll put that up on my Instagram okay. story too. So so we have the Corvette chest tattoos and the uh, 
the Bentley Sebring. We'll put him up after. I forgot the show. to mention that the uh, the the Corvette flags just started right at the cleavage of the man. <laughs> it's just right there. Because Corvette male owners have cleavage too. I mean, this guy looks kind of oh, ripped, so man. he does a little bit. All right, so uh, yeah. So I think Citroen Citroen owners are the the French Corvette curmudgeons. Um, and I, I I will show my ignorance, I guess, or I already have um, in making any commentary about anything Citroen because I um, we had this big collection of old weird cars for sale that I knew very little about, but I learned as quickly as I could because that's what we do. And uh, everyone appreciated the knowledge that I was sharing with people, except on the Citroen 2CV, where people were just like, you're an idiot, shut up, stop talking, you're clueless. And I'm like, okay, I don't claim to be an expert, I'm just sharing random things that I didn't know and most people wouldn't know about them. But anyway, I got corrected on uh, the spelling of Citroen on the latest video, Uh, I, I posted a comment because I didn't put the umlauts or whatever over the E. Oh, I'm goodness. like, okay, cool. And I also got lambasted for not pronouncing it incorrectly in the videos. But, like, I mean, nobody can pronounce anything French properly. I mean, it's not like Porsche and Porsche, where the only difference between getting it wrong and right is one syllable. Uh, yeah. as in, uh, I don't know how to pronounce Citroen. Porsche, uh. Also, who takes the time to type out the like proper umlauts? You got to get alt codes and stuff on right. US keyboards. Like you can't do that. Yeah, ain't nobody got, time, got for that. time for that. People don't even spell words out anymore. Yeah, you if you're saying lol, umlauts, you're not getting an umlaut anywhere. No, I'm no like whatever Gen Z or millennial or whatever the the stereotype is for people that that type in shorthand. But I'm not taking the time to type out umlauts. Sorry, guys. Uh <laughs> Uh, the Shrewd Negotiator, brought to you by Vinwicky. This was a good one. Another marketplace find this week. It was a 2010 Porsche GT3 that was priced, it had about 48,000 miles, and it was priced at 103 k which is insanely low for a 2010 GT3. It's probably about 25 k below market value. Everybody was sending this to me, like, is this real? Is this a scam? And checked it out, looked real. So I messaged the, messaged the guy and said, hey, I'll buy it right now. I'll wire your money, just copy the title. We're good. And didn't get back to me, didn't get back to me. Everybody on Renlist was talking about it. Like, obviously, this thing went viral very quickly. Uh, kind of a too-good-to-be-true ad that actually was true. So his response to being obviously inundated with messages on this car. I mean, he probably got a couple hundred messages. Every dealer on the planet was trying to buy it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, He said, I'll be in Danville at such and such parking lot uh, from 1 to 2 p.m. on Sunday, and y'all can just come there and look at it. That's legit. Oh, wait, not just to buy. I thought it was going to be like a race to buy it. Well, I think he didn't really give details. He just mass messaged everybody and was like, all right, here we go. So people were assuming like, okay, well, it's going to be an auction there or something like that. And so I messaged him after because obviously I'm not going to go to Danville, California and, you know, (laughs) have an impromptu auction in a mall parking lot. And and he said, so I asked him what the highest offer he got was. And he just said, well, are you interested in making an offer? And then he raised the price online to 120 grand and then removed it. 
I'm like, well, that's that's a really interesting way of negotiating. <laughs> I'm like, you shot yourself in the foot here. Oh. Uh, he obviously didn't know what it was worth because he posted a screenshot of like the Kelly Blue Book value when he first did it, and it was like right, it pegged it at a hundred three. Great or deal, five. yeah. Kelly right? Blue Book says so. Exactly. Um, so I, I don't know what happened. I don't really care. I just thought it was funny because I'm like, this is the worst strategy ever to selling a car. Like. I, it's it's tough. I will admit it's tough when you post a car and you have a bunch of people that want it. Nobody is so persnickety as buyers who feel like they have a right to buy a car because they saw it online and they're all pissed off. Like you you can't make everybody happy. So whatever. It's just that's a tough one. That's a really tough one. All right, so do we want to roll into question of the week? Yeah, which sure. Which is brought to you by Nuts for Sticks. Nuts for Sticks is a brand celebrating the manual transmission in all its forms. Forget flappy paddles. We like shifting ourselves. Check out our fun and funny stick-themed shirts at nutsforsticks.com and save 10% on your order using the discount code SWITCHCAST. That is nutsforsticks.com with a four and use code SWITCHCAST. Cheat code. You can also spell it out. I bought both domain names. Nice. I I'm still going to say with a four. <laughs> well, four works better for the logo. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Which I'm excited to have emblazoned across the rear window of my car yes, <laughs> for uh, this weekend. Yes, that's right. So we should let everyone know. Um, we are headed down to Amelia Island this weekend for the Amelia Conquers. For those of you watching live, for those of you listening on Monday when it airs, we had a great time at Amelia this weekend. I just weekend. dated this whole thing. I apologize. <laughs> Whoops. No, we're driving Tyler's Dark Teal Metallic Porsche 996 down. We'll be at Works Reunion. We'll be at the RM auction, the Gooding auction, the Broad Arrow auction, the Cars and Coffee, the Radwood. The I'm just saying the in front of it because the, the they everything. changed the name to the Amelia, right? They went from the Facebook to Facebook, but Amelia goes from Amelia to the Amelia. Ugh. Thanks, the Haggerty. That was good. Uh, <laughs> 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 ah, if you can't laugh at yourself, what can you laugh at? Somebody else. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we will be there. Come see us. Look for the Nuts for Sticks sticker on Tyler's car. Uh, we're super excited about that. It's a really, really great event. Um, it's the... Uh, the I shouldn't say the East Coast Pebble Beach because that's what we said about Audrain, but it is, um, it's an awesome event. That's all. Yep. See you there. Fire away, anyway. Tyler. All right. So we've got uh, Elon Musk is suspicious is back. Really excited to see that username again. Heck yeah. 43. Uh, they, oh yeah, forty three. Sorry, forgot the forgot the end. The things I remember <laughs> when I can't remember what my wife said to me eight seconds ago. Uh. <laughs> All right, so uh, they say, Doug, what are your thoughts on the 997.1 GT2? It wasn't one of Annie, Andy Pruninger's cars, so I'd like to know your thoughts on how it drives, collectability, and if you think it's worth the current prices. Which, actually, for my knowledge, how much does one of those go for now? 250 to 350 Ooh, boy. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. They have not been generally loved or appreciated by collectors. They've lagged behind the GT3, even though they are the rarest uh modern gt car uh they made 242 i think for north america uh and only 27 for 2009 which 
I don't get the whole like, oh, one year's better than the other just because they made less of them thing. Uh, but collectors do. So there's a premium there. Um, I like them. I don't like them as much as a GT3. I think they're a little bit soft. Um, I just don't have a, a, an inherent love for the turbo cars as much as the naturally aspirated ones. Um, I think I think they're a good pickup. Um, any color other than black, though, is going to carry a premium because everybody on my client list is looking for one other than black. Uh, and more than half of them were black. So a black one is 250 to 300. Other colors, I don't know. And a lot of them have been used and abused, similar to the 2010-11 GT3s and RSs, because when they came out, initially they were selling for huge money over sticker, then the market kind of tanked. Uh, so a lot of people just used them as track cars, modified them, put you know big horsepower kits on them, made them eight, 900 horsepower. So if you're looking for a collector great example, those are pretty hard to find. So they are going to carry a premium. So are they worth 350000 I don't know. I wouldn't pay it, but people are paying crazy stuff. People are paying more for less. So that's a tough question to answer, honestly. Did they make less of those than they did the RSs for the oh, Mark yeah. ones? Because I feel like I've seen... 410 RSs for the U.S., um, or North America now, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, basically half the number. That's great, because I don't think I've ever actually seen a normal just Mark One GT2. Right. I've they seen less a handful GT2s of RSs. than GT2 RSs, I think. Which is weird. Yeah. Alrighty. Oh, let's hope I can pronounce this right. John. Get in, kidink. Well, sorry about that. Apologize. Uh, Doug, should I just sell all my cars and buy an old Land Rover with an LS swap kit? Uh, is this Pete asking? <laughs> <laughs> we have a client that asked the same thing like a couple weeks ago. He's looking at, at doing that. But I don't know, man. Depends what you want. If you want to, I don't know what you have. It wouldn't be my play. I think a LS swap Land Rover would be a cool like eighth car, but it's yeah, better than a Hummer. I wouldn't sell any of my cars that I have to get one, but if I had spare money laying around, I'd certainly like, buy this one. This would be fun. I would buy. I would sell my excursion to buy a Land Rover with an LS swap. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yep. It's like the. Um Oh, shoot. The really tiny SUVs. I'm completely blanking now. The little uh, Geo Trackers. Oh. Like, I've always thought it'd be funny to have one of those with an LS in it. I don't think it would even fit, but you just need to make it fit. <laughs> All right. The Scaminator is back. The Scaminator, formerly known as the Scam Smeller, has been blessed with overactive sensory receptors. Unfortunately, he also lived in Texas, about a mile down the road from a bull farm, so he literally could smell bullshit from a mile away. Only recently has he discovered that this supposed curse is a marketable skill in the car industry. Oh, I didn't have that in my notes. Goodness. <laughs> so a little spicy in here. Further ado. Okay, so <laughs> the uh, the scaminator will, uh, Tyler will read off a, a listing that he found. And when the scaminator smells bullshit, he's going to hit the symbol, make noise that he knows this is a scam. Okay, so the listing is for a 911S as GT3 configuration of factory. Unique in Mexico. Okay, keep going. 1.5 million pesos. 
It's about 80 grand. Okay. 20,000 kilometers. Yeah. The VIN number, WP0AB299X7S7330678. <laughs> We're going to nerd out a little bit here. I'm so excited. Get out your notebooks, everybody, <laughs> boys and girls. Yeah, so this was on a, a Porsche buy-sell thing, and I don't know still if the guy is trying to sell a 911S as a GT3 or if he's just saying it's GT3 mods. There is a little bit of language barrier there. However, the, the sketchy thing is there is the EPA sticker on the door sill, which you can tell that it's been painted around. Same thing with the VIN uh, uh tag or whatever not the vin tag the vin tags in the friggin uh windshield but anyway you can tell there's paint around this sticker but it is a 911 gt3 epa sticker oh. but the vin number i know is not a gt3 vin number because of two things uh, uh gt3 vin numbers are wp0ac 299 and then a check digit, 7, S, 7, 8, and then the last four digits. So this is 7, 3, and it's WP, 0, A, B. So that fifth digit indicates a certain uh, type of car. So D would be the turbo, C would be the GT3 or GT3 RS, and uh, B is the Carrera S or 4S. So that is most definitively a Carrera S VIN number, even though it has a 911 GT3 little sticker on the side. Uh, or, or sorry, in, in the door sill. And the other giveaway in one of the photos was that it had the uh, Carrera S front brakes, but everything else was GT3. Front and rear um, arrow, uh, had the, the carbon sport bucket seats, the Alcantara steering wheel, the GT3 shifter. It had um, sport chrono, which, I mean, you could get on any car, but like it looked like a GT3 other than those things. So he may just be trying to like subtly pass it off as, yeah, this is a... A, a 911s that the factory made to gt3 specification for mexico and i'm like no they didn't no they didn't so, so it was more than just like an arrow kit kind of thing it it was like the whole thing like it the, he had 911 gt3 he had gt3 badge door sills and stuff oh, wow. like it was there was a lot going on there but it was definitely not a gt3 so be careful people just be careful Memorize your VIN number sequencing. <laughs> yeah, like all everybody normal out there, let's go. You don't memorize your VIN number sequencing? I think Dan Doucette does. <laughs> Ed Bolian does for the, the Lamborghinis. He's got the ZHWGU whatever whole thing. Oh, yeah. He knows all of those. So anyway, with that said, um, oh, I wanted to share one thing too. So we've been talking about a bunch of like negatives tonight. Dealers going down, Carvana, yada, yada, yada. We're not just trying to like smack talk. This is in an attempt to be helpful. But the the positive note of the week, um, I just had to share this email from a customer. And, and this is why I love my job in this industry and why I don't sell Camrys. So I always say like, this is great because people actually want to hear from me. They don't consider my emails or texts or whatever spam. They're like, well, that car doesn't work, but that's cool. Thanks for sharing. And so I sent out an email to a guy who's kind of car ADD and said, hey, you want to try this car or that car? And he sends me a cell number and says, that's quicker than email for all your car pushing clickbait. <laughs> So it's like any other industry, it's like, stop contacting me or not even industry. Like, you know, if I'm selling 
Toyotas, like, shut up, stop, go away. I don't want to ever hear from you again. But these people are like, yeah, no, here's a better way to contact me more and quicker <laughs> because I love what you're selling. So, yeah, it's like being a drug dealer. Car pushing, car pushing clickbait. I love it. Thanks, Dan. All right, props and flops of the week. And props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast's dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars Inventory is... Another one that's not online yet, but it's a Bentley Arnage Long Wheelbase. Oh. 2002, it's the last year of the 6.3... 6 and three quarter liter single turbo engine and the long wheelbase adds 10 inches to well the wheelbase and it's all in the rear seats this thing is cool it's one of 69 made in left hand drive and one of uh 33 in north america or 30 dan 30 one of 30 in north america uh so if you want to be driven around this is perfect it has heated and reclining rear seats it has rear uh, DVD players and um, it's 04 rich so it was produced before Bluetooth but the best feature is it has deep pile carpets in the rear that are heated. I want to like curl up like a cat on those carpets and just sleep. <laughs> <laughs> My wife is like well that's like that's dumb does that mean you have to take your shoes off every time you get in? I'm like no you want to. <laughs> yeah. Shoes are inherently uncomfortable. I just put my bare feet on heated carpets? Yeah, man. Uh, anyway, the flop of the week. We can decide who's the flop. It might be us. It might be the customer. It might be Lemon Squad. But real, uh, yeah, 100,000 mile BMW 3 Series that spent most of its life in a northern climate. Year-round driver. Nicely maintained, but it's a friggin' 100,000 mile BMW. Guy wants to buy it. Uh, hires Lemon Squad to come out and do an inspection. I ask him if they want a lift. Nope, we don't need a lift. Okay, dude buys it, drives it back to Jersey. Light comes on on the way, goes into limp mode. It's a wheel speed sensor. No big deal. Turn traction control off. Go get the wheel speed sensor fixed. So that's the first problem. Takes it to his mechanic, puts it up on the lift, and he's like, oh, man, this car is so rusty underneath. This is awful. Like, just super ticked off. And I'm like, well... You know, did you ask for underside photos before you bought it? No. What a, like we offered a lift to the inspector, they didn't look at it. Like this is kind of caveat M tour, right? Like if as is ever was as is, you had an inspection done, you flew out, you looked at the car, you test drove it, and you drove it back to Jersey, and now you're like, oh, it's got too much rust on the underside. <sighs> anyway. We took the car back just to make the guy happy because I don't think there's any way to not keep this guy from being unhappy. And um, yeah, I just like, I, apparently this guy didn't listen to our episode a couple weeks ago on pre-purchase inspections. <laughs> Cause it's like, man, like num one, ask him to do underside photos. If that's something you're concerned about Two, when you buy a car, it's as is. And if you get a pre-purchase inspection done, like it's definitely and permanently as is but whatever we're softies so we took the car back just to yeah just because we're nice so if anyone wants a hundred thousand mile but bmw 328 that's been driven year round but has great service records and is a little bit rusty underneath like every friggin' car with a hundred thousand miles it's available again prop of the week 
Anybody ever heard of Bears Run? Anyway, I hadn't either. This dude in a bear suit jogged across America this winter wearing a bear suit. Talk about a cannonball run. It took him 76 days, which means if he ran 12 hours a day, he would have to average about 3.4 MPH, which is not bad. The crazy thing is he was only slower by a few days than one of the first transcontinental drives. Yeah. Thank you to Mason Dibley for the tip. We love his information. And uh, yeah, that will do it for tonight. We're going to end early because we want to leave early for Amelia Island this weekend. We hope to see some of you there. Thank you to Tyler Sanders and Ethan Huffnagel for making this thing awesome. Thank you to our sponsors, BoxCast, Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream the full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. You can also see them live Friday, minus me, uh, at Collision Bend Brewing, downtown Cleveland. You can buy a real physical album there. Yes. Uh, This episode will be available Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life.